What is up, everybody? It's the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7 with me, Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. We got a commitment to talk about. We got a mailbag to get to, and we're going to go ahead on this fine Tuesday and do picks. We're live on YouTube. Thank you for joining us there. If you're listening to this on Wednesday morning, it's the podcast, and we appreciate you listening there, too. Uh, subscribe, rate, review, let us know how you feel. Rusty's about to get up and go for a jog. Uh, he's putting on a hat. He's going hat. Oh, uh, good call. Good call. I, I'm, I'm glad Rusty and Kip have a hat selection. Your boy Jake don't. I've got like a black one just like this that's dirty as all get out, so I don't wear it. And plus, I don't know if either one of these guys have a head as big as mine. So uh, that's uh, that's you got to wear what works when you've got a large dome. Uh, but yeah, let's get into this commitment once Rusty gets settled in over here. I, he might be wrestling I've got, something. I've got like Wi Fi stands, everything. <laughs> <laughs> you got a Wi Fi stand? Yeah. <laughs> you got rabbit ears <laughs> with your connection. That's the best yeah. thing you've ever bought. It's a freaking booster. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. That is. I, I bought that mesh Wi Fi a little over a year ago, and that was uh, that was a great decision. Oh boy, Google Home works great. Yep. All right, Rusty, let's talk about Jaheim Singletary, five-star defensive back, cornerback, elite prospect. What do you know about him? What kind of what allowed Georgia to get him? A uh, long kid. Saw him, uh, I guess, a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. First time I saw him down in Vadasta at a camp. And, uh, you know, there's Georgia recruits, Alabama recruits, Ohio State kid was committed to Ohio State for a long time. They want length and they want speed at corner. And this is a guy that's got that. And um, you got to give a lot of credit to Will Muschamp. I mean, Will Muschamp, when he got here, this was one of the guys that he zeroed in on. And when you're all people ask me, I had a couple of people ask me, well, how is Will Muschamp recruiting him? He was off the field. Every time he came for a visit, he could spend as much time as he wanted with Will Muschamp. So uh, built that relationship. And I said this, and, and you know, it's kind of puts you in a spot a little bit because we knew. Jaheim Singletary was at Georgia, but if he doesn't confirm it and he doesn't report it, it's not our job to report that. I mean, that's his business. You know, he has a, as a commit to Ohio state, he had made several visits to Athens that went unreported. Uh, you know, what we can report is we continue to say that we felt Georgia was felt pretty good behind the scenes. Even when he was committed to Ohio state, when he opened it up, we felt like Georgia's in good shape. And uh, ultimately he, um, you know, I thought he was going to commit in August put it off. I thought he was going to go in September, put it off. I thought he was going to go in October, kind of put it off. Uh, but he does commit this week on his mom's birthday, and that's a huge get, man. There's only so many of those types of bodies per class. Right. You know, Georgia needs some – they need some young guys in secondary, and this is a guy that I think contribute early. Now, I did confirm because uh, I had somebody on, our, on the junkyard ask me, uh, he is going to sign early, but he is not an early enrollee. So he'll be at Georgia at the end of uh, – right at the end of May. Uh, so he'll be there all next summer, get the whole summer workout in. But he will sign early with Georgia. I'll tell you what, man, this this class from a defensive back standpoint, you got Singletary, you got Malachi Starks at safety, uh, both five stars. Uh, Marquise Groves, Killebrew, uh, Julian Humphrey, uh, you know, a couple of really, really high upside cornerback uh, prospects. And then you look at safety, uh, uh, Ja'Cory Thomas, I mean, another guy, maybe a star, um, you know, you're really filling a lot of needs in that defensive backfield, and I don't think I'm missing anybody there, but just some fantastic uh, defensive backs in this class. After signing a solid defensive back class this past year uh, in the 2021 group, so, uh, you know, definitely meeting some needs. Kip, what, 
when you when you see Georgia get a guy like Singletary, I uh, hope I didn't step on your point there. If that's the point you would have liked to have made, but what what does this do for the class? Well, it, it gives them a guy with size and speed. And if you look at you know the wide receivers as of late, it's kind of like it's kind of cyclical. We had that, you know the big guys who could who could win the jump ball in there and then he started having guys that are really doing a lot of damage in the slot and it kind of feels like we're kind of coming back around to having bigger guys who are just as athletic as guys in the slot and so when you when you look at the guys that Georgia is you know trying to build in that secondary for the future because you know you saw how many guys they lost this last year and you know had to go to the transfer portal to try to get some help there in the secondary you know, got Keely Ringo getting better every week, but you want guys like, I mean, you can't get, if you could get all Keely Ringos out there, you would, but that's kind of the goal. You want the guy that's over six foot, but can move like a guy that's 5'10". And I think with Jaheim Singletary, that that's, you know, that's kind of what you're getting right there. And then you look at Julian Humphrey, you know, a guy that has track speed as well, one of the fastest players in the country. And he's, he's 6'1", 185 as well. So that that's just that trend that Georgia's been trying to do the last couple of cycles, getting guys that are six foot, six foot plus who can run. And I think that's really, really a good response to the taller receivers that you see around in the SEC. I mean, you just you just look at some of the guys that are having big, big years uh, in the SEC this year. It's you know, there's a lot of guys with size out there. And I just think that's that's how Kirby Smart operates. He sees the trends and tries to, to try to get ahead of that. And you look at the secondary class overall, as you said, you know, they got a lot of talented guys coming in. One of the strongest secondary classes, you know, I've kind of seen at Georgia and still has a chance to, to get even better if, if they're able to get a guy like Kamari Wilson, one of the most talented safeties in the country, a guy that Georgia has been recruiting for a long time. You know, he's got high interest in Georgia, uh, you know, and it's a guy that they, they would have loved to had on board months ago. Uh, he's continuing that process and, and looking to, to see if he wants to continue taking visits. But, I mean, that's a guy, if they can get him on board, I mean, the, the secondary class is is kind of through the roof as far as its potential. And it's strong in a year that it needed to be strong. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Georgia's class over 300 points now. That's pretty much an elite threshold there, uh, gunning for the number one spot. And like you mentioned, Kip, Kamari Wilson still on the board, a bunch of other guys still kind of in the mix there for Georgia to maybe, you know, get another number one class here. Let's jump into this mailbag here real quick. And we're going to start with the questions from our Dogs 24-7 Junkyard crew. And Breck Dog says, we know Alabama's wide receivers and secondary are an area uh, – or I'm sorry, Alabama's receivers are a concern against Georgia's secondary – but what's the concern for Alabama when it comes to Georgia's offense? And I, I'm going to go ahead and snag this one. Uh, we're going to try to do this, you know, mow through these pretty quick, one guy per. It's Georgia's tight ends. It's Brock Bowers. It's it's uh, it's Darnell Washington because you look back at the Florida game, Keon Zipper and 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 the Gamble kid, they combined for like nine catches, ninety yards. Uh, you look at what Jalen Watermeyer did for uh, for Texas A&M. I think he had three catches for 73 yards in that game and a touchdown. Alabama's going to have a hard time dealing with Georgia's tight ends in this game. And I'll throw another layer on there, too, running backs. Uh, that, that, you know, this is a game, you know, listen, we saw James Cook, you know, dust 
uh, you know, number eight, their linebacker, I think it's Christian Harris, just dusted him last year on a uh, on, on kind of that one-on-one route on the outside. I doubt Alabama's going to let that happen again quite like that. There's probably a, a check in place or something to defend that specifically. But A&M with, with A-Chain did some things against, uh, against Alabama's uh, linebackers with the running backs. And so I think Georgia's running backs and tight ends, and, and it seems like you can say this every week, it's always something to watch because there's a constant mismatch there. But but specifically, I think Georgia can have a lot of success there. And, you know, it kind of benefits you when you're dealing with something like that, that that this isn't a playoff game. Uh, not technically. It probably kind of is in a way. But it's not a playoff game because a team doesn't have multiple weeks, 10, 15 practices to rep it and get it right. They have to kind of get it ready in a regular game week. And I think that's somewhere where Georgia can have a lot of success and where Alabama's going to have to spend a lot of time trying to figure it out. But also, if they do that and you overcompensate and you borrow and, and you focus on it too much, Jermaine Burton, Donnie Mitchell, I, I said his name wrong again. I went. I was going great there for a long time, and You've I messed it up. You've been on a streak. I had been on a streak. AD Mitchell. Let's leave that out for us, Jordan. When it comes, AD Mitchell, Adonai Mitchell is a guy that can get him. Uh, uh, Lab McConkey, uh, Marcus Rosemary Jackson. I would never get that right. I'll just go and take a mulligan for Adonai. It is AD Mitchell. Adonai. All right. ALG six ten. All right, Rusty. I'm gonna throw this one to you because this is a hard question to answer and you deserve a hard question to answer. If we assume there will be at least one coach leaving in the off season, who are the most likely candidates to go? I've always said, if you're hiring the right people, you're always going to have candidates. And right. Kirby smart has had candidates. Uh, you look at the, his coach. It's crazy that like Kirby smart now has a coaching tree, uh, Shane Beamer, you know, Pittman, Mel Tucker. I mean, these guys are head coaches. Um, and Kirby Smart starting to get, you know, you start talking about that Nick Saban tree, Kirby Smart starting to get a tree under him. So that tells you that he's hiring the right people that, you know, some talk James Coley in on the, I believe the FIU job. So uh, all, all guys that were, you know, in the original staff at Georgia. So, um, I, you know, it would be purely speculation on my part. You obviously have to look at Dan Lanning as a guy that, uh, you know, got some mentions last year. He has done nothing, <laughs> zero to hurt his resume this year. I can assure you of that. So the one thing I'll tell you about Dan Lanning, he is not in a hurry. Uh, I know he has a goal of being a head coach, but uh, he knows what he's got in that room. He knows what's coming in that room. And with like Kirby Smart, Kirby Smart was extremely picky on what he was waiting for, what he was going to do. Uh, so I think Dan Lanning's a guy you look at. Maybe Dell McGee with a Troy job, but I did hear yesterday that, that, that they may have somebody targeted. I don't know who that is, but it, it didn't sound like it was Dell McGee at the top. Doesn't mean it can't get to him. So, uh, you know, there's obviously if you hire the right people, you're gonna you're gonna this is gonna be coming up every year, and just like Nick Saban does, you know, you congratulate your guys and you move on to the next one. So, uh, obviously, the, the guy would probably be Dan Lanning that you want to watch, but uh, we'll see as this unfolds. And I'd say Glenn Schumann as well, considering that, you know, he's such a he's so successful as a recruiter and, you know, yeah. his time as a defensive coordinator at some point is going to come, whether that's Georgia or somewhere else. Yeah, I um, do. So, I do know that he's turned down. He has turned yeah. down a couple of, 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 of pretty good jobs. I would think that that uh, he had opportunity to be the defensive coordinator a couple of places. And, uh, you know, he obviously knows what he's got in his room. Uh, but you're right, Glenn Schumann's a guy that we're going to hear more and more about. But I tell you what, that whew, you're talking about two guys that are recruiting, Todd Hartley and Glenn Schumann. My goodness, their rooms, whew, 
Yeah. That inside linebacker group, man, unbelievable. And it's just mm-hmm. getting better. I mean, just another great class coming in in 2022. Kip, Dogfan623 wants to ask you, is there a team that will stay within 14 points of UJ in, in this college football season? I mean, we're giving 14 points. That's uh... – you know that that that's a lot to to kind of ask for for the the games that Georgia has after this weekend. I mean, I'm trying to think. Just look into Atlanta. the The last time a team beat Alabama by 14 points had to be what Clemson in 2019, that national championship game. I think that was a that, that was that was a blowout loss there, right? They I think they they put mm-hmm. up 44, and I think Alabama didn't didn't hit 20. Like since 19, Senna, it, I think it was. Yeah, since then it hasn't it hasn't happened. So I I mean I'm I'm gonna point right there to the SEC championship game, and I think so far Vegas kinds of uh, kind of agrees with me with Georgia being a four point favorite. So I think if you if you come out of that game winning by by one point, I think you're you're happy with the result there. Uh, you know we're gonna talk about obviously the matchups and everything next week, and and kind of delve into w- what we're seeing in that game, but. I mean, I, this Alabama team might not be the the strongest Crimson Tide roster that you know they've had under Nick Saban, but you know they still have talent up and down. And I, you know, guys like Will Anderson, maybe the the most talented p- defensive player in the, in, in the country right right now. The, the way that he's playing, this the effort and, and uh, you know his explosiveness off the edge is is unbelievable. That's going to be a guy that. You know, Georgia's going to really have to key in on there. And Jamison Williams is is having an incredible year as well. So, I mean, they still have big-time players there. And you just got to look up – if you're looking ahead to the playoffs, uh, which, you know, I don't think the coaching staff at Georgia is, but as fans, you definitely want to. Uh, Ohio State's offense has is, is been outstanding this year. I mean, it's been the best the best offense probably in college football. And we've, we've kind of tried to look and see – you know what type of offense uh, could could really really push Georgia's defense, and I think, you know, a, a quarterback who's able to to kind of stand in there and 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 pick apart the secondary and and have a lot of success and accuracy in that in that area is gonna was gonna be one that, you know, could really really uh, push Georgia to the limit, but also just having you know talented wide receivers, and it's not you know it's not Alabama uh, two thousand. Uh, 17 or 19 it's not lsu's uh squad but i think ohio state has a pretty good shot of having three nfl guys out of that wide receiver group i'm not going to say they're all first rounders but i mean they're going to be all considered for that you look at garrett wilson chris olave and, and jackson smith uh i think he's at like 1100 yards already for the year averaging over 16 yards a catch uh there's a lot of explosiveness in that offense and that's not even counting you know Travion Henderson who's just having an incredible year right off the bat the guy that you know we all thought was the best running back coming out of high school this last class he's having an instant impact there as well so they, they have all the pieces there to, to really really push Georgia's defense to the limit and I mean that defense has been talked about all year as being the strongest in college football so you know, the, the, if those teams end up playing, it's it's kind of that, you know, strength on strength and maybe the the strongest unit on each side of the field. So uh, I, I think that's that's definitely a game that, you know, if you're Georgia, you're, you're saying, OK, well, we're going to know what we have on this defense if, if we play the Buckeyes. Yeah. And, you know, it's going to take a good plan. It's going to take a uh, 
it's going to take a Herculean effort against these, you know, against Alabama to kind of keep those guys in front. And, you know, Georgia's defense is really good. And we'll break it. Like you said, we'll break that down going forward. Got one more question here. We're going to jump into, and then we're going to, um, on the other side, we're going to grab the ones from our comments here from the YouTube crowd. Visor dog. Y'all think Dominic Blaylock will be full go in Atlanta. Assuming he has two games to get back. Dominic Blaylock's full go right now. Dominic Blaylock is coming back from a myriad of medical things that's just it's going to be a little while before he's better than the guys in front of him yes and and that's just kind of the way it is really that's exactly what's going on with jt daniels here too okay and uh, i'm I'm going to try not to get too worked up about this because it seems like everybody wants to talk about kind of these injuries and when a guy's cleared to go he's back to himself and he's ready to roll that's just not the case you miss a lot of time you have to play catch-up um, you know, and, and that's going on with Dominic Blaylock. That's going on with with JT Daniels. It might go on with George Pickens if George Pickens is able to come back. That's just how it is. These guys are finely tuned athletes. And I had a coach tell me one time, he goes, man, listen, if you have a – I don't care if it's a punter or if it's a cornerback or a quarterback or a, or a defensive tackle. If that guy takes 10 days during the offseason, six days, seven days, sits on his behind, you know, for those days, plays video games, doesn't do anything, he's going to feel it for up to six months. Like, he's, it's going to take him that long to get back to exactly where he was. And so these guys, when they're inactive, when they're limited, when they're out of the flow of things, when they're, when they're just getting mental reps and no physical reps, they lose a lot and they're not quite ready yet. And I know folks don't want to hear that. I know you definitely don't want to hear it regarding JT Daniels, but it's absolutely true that if you're going to be inactive for four or five weeks, then the guy who was getting work there, if he's any sort of in your neighborhood as far as a, a player, he's going to probably run ahead of you. And that's what's happened there. That's what's happened with Dominic Blaylock missing as much time as he has. And we'll see if it's the same case with George Pickens, if he's able to come back. I thought it was interesting. Bruce Feldman said on the Ryan Rosillo podcast uh, yesterday that uh, he thought, you know, George Pickens was going to come back in uh, for the SEC championship game. I don't know if he knows something we don't, but I, I'm not as confident in saying I think he's going to do that. But we'll see. Let's jump into a break here real quick. On the other side, we're going to get to some YouTube questions and make our picks. All right, we got some YouTube folk. How hard is Georgia going to pursue Elias Ricks? Rusty, that's that seems like a good one for you from our bud, Derek. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, uh, what you do with situations like that is you do your due diligence, what you're hearing out of the kid. Uh, I mean, obviously on the field, he's a um, really good player. So is this a guy that's, um, you know, he's wanting to come in and spend like six months in your program and leave? I, I, I don't know, you know. I think George is definitely going to take a long look at Elias Ricks. I don't think sure. he's the only corner they'll take a look at. I mean, that's what people are going to ask me, but he's certainly a very talented player. And, uh, you know, some, something like that, you do your due diligence, check it out. Anytime you – I heard Kirby Smart say in his press conference, and, Jake, you were listening, I guess, uh, Monday, talking about bringing guys in, and really that's not the solution you want, but you, you have to sometimes. But he made a comment, something about, you know, are you bringing the right guy in? Does this guy fit our culture? You know, so with any transfer, that's always the question. I think people look and go like, hey, man, that guy's unbelievable. Got to have him. But does he fit the culture of what you're looking for? I have no idea about Elias Riggs. But, you know, people were asking me last night, like, they're going to be all over. I would assume they they would. But uh, as, a, as a cornerback, and I think they got to have my opinion, I think they got to have a corner and a safety. Uh, for this. For, I'm talking about a plug-and-place type, Darian Kendrick. Yeah. Like, we got to have a guy that can play – you know, 11, 12 games can start for us. So 
Uh, certainly a player like Reed. I think got to have a wide receiver too, just my opinion there. So we'll see how this transfer portal goes. Um, you know, the, the roster management is the new, this is the new game. I mean, you got to be able to, what Kirby said, you got to be able to recruit your own kids and you got to be able to fill those holes when needed. So uh, the teams that do that the best are going to turn out more successful than the others. And I think George has done a really good job. I mean, they lost Tyreek Stevenson and, all these guys last year, you lose Jermaine Johnson, you know, and you come out and do what you got to do and, uh, you know, plug in place with guys. So with, with that, with that being said, I think Georgia will take a good look at uh, Elias Ricks. If they can get in that thing, I, I certainly anticipate them doing it. Thomas Newman with a good question here. How does Georgia match up with Bama in the trenches? Does it favor UGA on both sides of the ball? What say you, Kip? I think it, it bodes as well as it ever has in this matchup. I think that's, Kind of the one thing when, you know, Georgia played Alabama in previous years, you know, you kind of had to give the edge to Alabama, and that was kind of something they had to overcome, and, and Kirby has has recruited to that. He saw that early on. I, I, I mean, <laughs> the first time they took the field against each other, I, I think it was clear that the Crimson Tide had some dudes out there, and, and Georgia had one or two guys, but it just didn't have the depth on either side of the ball, and I think that, that – was his priority you know when he came on board we need to build depth and talent at the line of scrimmage both lines of scrimmage and I mean you look at I mean even the offensive line I mean Georgia's got I think it's safe to say they've got seven guys they feel really good about out there that if they're on the field that they're going to have you know pretty quality uh, level of play uh, even I mean even with the injury to Tate Ravage you know they've still been fairly lucky to have just that cohesiveness as a unit which is really important on the offensive line you would just want to have you know a five or six guys that you know can go out there and 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 play well together and i think that that's what they've got you know they've got guys that can play multiple positions there and you know i think it, it's been kind of up and down as far as uh, the run blocking goes but in pass protection georgia's been outstanding in that area all year and you know, obviously on the defensive line, that's that's what everyone's writing about right now. The fact that Georgia's got a two deep that any team in college football would love to have. And I think you look back at 2017, you know, when, when Chubb and Sonny Michelle came back and how big that was. I mean, that that is this year is, is Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt. I mean, those guys coming back, that's the storyline for this year. And for Georgia recruiting, I think that's that's what Kirby Smart's telling people. You know, if if you're if you're a guy like Devontae Wyatt or Jordan Davis, and and you turn down the NFL to come back and and play for a championship and still uh, improve your draft stock, you know, I don't think there's a better pitch you could have than something like that. And I, I, no matter you know if it's the first or second string out there, they've got guys. I mean, Jalen Carter not being a starter is just. That tells you all you need to know about Georgia's, you know, defense. The fact that he can come off the bench and and maybe be the most talented guy, you know, in that in that front seven, you know, anytime he's on the field. So I think that is definitely something that Alabama is probably spending extra time in the film room trying to figure out, you know, if they're if they're going to uh, have to put extra guys out there to to try to give uh, Bryce Young time to 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 get some guys open downfield. So I think the matchups really bode well, uh, bode well for Georgia on both sides of the ball. And uh, I mean, I don't think you you could have ever said that, you know, since Kirby Smart. I mean, just anytime we've ever covered, uh, you know, these teams, 
uh, in the Saban era that that Georgia has them, you know, at, at least equally talented on both sides of the ball in the line of scrimmage, if not better. Oops, I was muted. Uh, but definitely a big edge for Georgia's defensive line over Alabama's offensive line, the way that offensive line's been playing. I think the other one's a little bit more even, and maybe the you know telltale sign of who wins that game is who wins that matchup. Uh, Nicholas Walker, last question from our YouTube crew. What's the biggest area of concern for this team in you guys' opinion? At this stage in the season, with potentially, you know, he puts hopefully in there as well, the three biggest games you can play in the next seven weeks. I, I think it's the secondary – I think it's depth in the secondary and staying healthy. Chris Smith's a little banged up right now. Will he be back? I don't think that's going to be a major deal based on Kirby Smart's language there. They think he's going to be fine. But Georgia's got to stay healthy there because I think an injury to anybody, I'm talking about anybody back there, Lewis Seen, Chris Smith, anything that might keep him out for longer, even Dan Jackson, Latavius Brini, uh, you know, either of the cornerbacks with the way they're playing right now, I think – it's already an area where you might be able to point and say Georgia hasn't been tested and they're going to get tested if they have to play Alabama if they, or when they play Alabama and then when they have if they have to play Ohio State, they're going to get tested. Um, but I, I think that the guys they've got out there can pass that test. I don't know if the guys behind them can, uh, and, and they just don't have a whole lot of depth back there. So they've got to stay healthy in that back half and, and really got to stay healthy at outside linebacker too. Yeah, with Inside backer because you're one play away from playing a true freshman now. Yeah. True. Losing yeah, Tresman. so there's not a ton of depth on that defensive side. Losing, no, Tresman, Marshall, losing Tresman Marshall, Ryan Davis, and then losing Adam Anderson, it, it creates that everybody has to play and there's the, the right. depth gone. So it really, yeah. really strains you uh, there. So Georgia's dangerously thin. How uh, big has it been that Robert Beal came back just talking about yeah. guys coming back? I mean, he technically could come back again next year. I mean, but he, he was in a – not only – he's come back twice because he was in the portal. Yes. Prior to the Baylor game, I believe it was. He was in the portal. Then he yeah. came back again. He's actually, you know, done some really good things. I mean, he's he's had some moments where he may look lost a little bit and may look like he was seeing some things that uh he hadn't really seen before because he hadn't played a ton, a ton over the past couple years, but he's shown some flashes as well. So I think Robert Beal's a guy. Um, you know, that's a good point, Kip. That's a really good one. All right, Kip, since you come up with a good point, you get to make your pick first. Who you got? Player of the game, score over Georgia Tech. By the way, Georgia's well, – let, let me just throw this out there. Georgia's won 10 in a row against Tech. They haven't lost to them since 1999. If you take that game out – and listen, I'm going to go ahead and call that a bogus win for Georgia Tech because if there was instant replay at the time, Jasper Sanks didn't fumble, all right? He did not fumble, and uh, Georgia wins that game. If you, if you take that one out, Georgia hasn't lost to Tech since 1989. So the, Georgia's won like 15 out of the last 16 against Tech or, or 14 out of the last 15, one or the other. It's insane at Bobby Dodd Stadium. Yeah, yeah at Bobby Dodd. So, I mean, you want to talk about dominance in, in – uh, what is that? Is that technically Midtown, Kip? Yes, Midtown. Yeah, it's Midtown. I mean – Okay, so yeah. Georgia's dominating Midtown these days. But not necessarily downtown. A little bit more trouble at Mercedes-Benz. But Midtown, they own that. Who they you got, have what. They can have whatever they want to have at the varsity. I'll tell you that much. Well, <laughs> I mean, for this game, I mean, Georgia's Georgia Tech's defense isn't stopping anybody. I mean, they're 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 awful in the secondary. <laughs> they're they're not making plays in the backfield. I mean, it's it's been a struggle for Jeff Collins and that and that team this year. It's 
I mean, the the matchups don't bode well uh, at all for them. And then at the same time, I mean, you look at the fact that, you know, a lot of these players, they didn't get to play the game last year, you know, and that's a game where there's still some in-state guys in this roster. I mean, Kirby's recruited nationally, and, you know, this hasn't really been a rivalry game as far as it being competitive. But they still want, at the end of the day, they want to hold that that whiteboard up, and they want to tell people they run the state still at the end of the game. And doing it in Atlanta, I mean, is obviously uh, even even a, a bigger joy for, for a lot of the guys in this roster and a lot of guys that are, you know, going to be playing their, their last football. So I think that uh, as far as this game's concerned, I, I don't think that, I mean, whether or not Kirby and, and, this, and this team kind of, takes their starters out early. I don't think it's going to matter who's on the field. I think these guys are going to play, you know, with that same intensity throughout the game. And I think it's going to be a a big issue for a a Georgia Tech team that, you know, is allowing opponents in their in their backfield is not forcing turnovers. And, uh, you know, it's just not playing very strong football right now. I I like Georgia to to cover this game easily. I, I think this is a game where Georgia can name their score and I think that uh, you know I the last I checked we we had this at 35 points as as far as the you know the odds the lines concerned I I think that Georgia wins this game 41 to 3 I think so I I think they go away with this one I I think that you know there's going to be a lot of opportunities for not just Georgia, the, the grind it out. I think there's going to be some plays downfield in this game. And so, I, you know, I, I look at just guys who have, uh, you know, played really, really well at recent and, and, and you know, kind of having the, some big games and also just kind of do for a big game. I think this is a game where a guy like Kiaris Jackson can some can make some big plays. I know that Stetson Bennett has has really looked to him a lot, you know, when he's on the field. And I think also, and this is the game. I know Kiaris wanted it so badly. He came so close that last that uh, last week. Uh, getting that re- you know a return touchdown is, is something that that he's still trying to trying to reel in. I think this is the game he gets it. I think you know he takes a punt return back. I think he's going to have plenty of punt return opportunities. And he, he reels one in. I know they're wanting to get Dominic Blaylock in there as well, but I, I think Kiaris is, is, is going to have a, a lot of opportunities to make some big plays. And I think the, you know, Stetson's going to have a lot of success in the passing game. This is going to be a good one for the numbers and and a good one for uh, that passing attack to to give Alabama even more to to kind of look at heading into Atlanta. I feel like player of the game pick here for me and Rusty. I'm going. You're gonna. You're gonna take us out of this thing with yours, get to pig last. But I think player of the game is kind of fishing a barrel at this point. It's going to be James Cook. James Cook's just playing too well right now. Going to catch a pass. Going to have a couple runs. May score three touchdowns again. Who knows? May go to Home Depot. Don't know if he's got time. Uh, but, yeah, he's James Cook's playing at a really high level right now. I like him to make some big plays early in this game. So I'm going to go ahead and pick that as my player of the game, pick that guy as my player of the game. And I think George's going to hang a lot of points on Tech. A lot of points. I got Georgia. I, I think Georgia's going to win 51 to 10. Um, and I like James Cook for my player of the game. I think Georgia's just going to run a kind of rough shot on him. I swear <laughs> to God, Rusty, did I get you again? I had 52 to 10. Okay. Well, I, at least I didn't get it on the money this time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. We, we, I got I to gotta start picking for you, man. You still have my thunder, man. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I think uh, to me, 
this game is is two questions. How long will the starters play? And does George Pickens play? Uh, because if George Pickens plays this week, obviously he's ready for the SEC championship to get some reps. Um, you know, he may play in the SEC championship, but uh, it's just hard to come back and play a game against Alabama with no live reps, um, you know, the kid being from Hoover, Alabama. Uh, but I want to see if George Pickens plays this weekend. Does he play any series at all? And, uh, you know, that's the question for me. I think Georgia goes and handles business. They've done it all here. They, didn't give me, they, they haven't given me any reason to see like they're going to slack off. And, um, you know, my player of the game, I went with tight end last week, Darnell Washington, but Brock Bowers has not really let me down. Uh, when I've picked him this year, I think he's just a guy that Stetson Bennett feels comfortable with. Uh, as long as he's in there, JT Daniels, you know, whatever he plays is going to be comfortable with and get touches because here's the thing. A, a tight end like that, you can throw the ball and you throw a 10 yard out and the dude gets 60. Don't think a quarterback don't like that because, hey, I didn't have to do a bunch. and I just got 60 yards in my in my in my stat book. Uh, so you look for a guy that's got that home run thread and man, he's got that. He's got that extra gear. He caught a ball Saturday uh, from where I was sitting, man. This guy takes off. He he gets to his second gear so quick uh, as a tight end position. It's just so and good hard. luck tackling him. Oh, like, my God. Yeah, they break tackles oh, like yeah. I, like no tight end I've really ever yeah. seen. Yeah, just, people talk about wondering why Darnell Washington doesn't get the ball more. I mean, yeah. defense looks at him and sees a six seven guy, and then, I mean, Brock Bowers is the guy that's stretching the defense, and the quarterback knows that. I mean, which one of those guys can, can get you a 60-plus yard play at a moment's notice? It's, it's Brock. So, I mean, that kind of answers that question of, you know, maybe Darnell's taking some eyes from the defenders, and then – I mean, Brock's, Brock's, you know, if you get one-on-one with Brock, you, you have to, you have to get him the ball. Yeah. He's going to, he's going to like, I think you said it right, Jake, he's going to, he's going to stress Alabama some in their matchups uh, and the perimeter of their linebackers. So we've we got a whole week to talk about all that, but I go Georgia 52, 10, I'll go Brock Bowers. Uh, and, and my two questions that'll be answered on Saturday is how long do the starters play and does George Pickens get live reps? Yeah, interested to see that as well, big time. Last show of the week, guys, we won't see you before Thanksgiving, but happy Thanksgiving. Eat all the turkey you can handle. Take you a nap. Get up and eat some more turkey. Take it, watch some football, and then get up and eat some more. Okay, that's just that's the way. This the that's the way you got to do it. That's the Georgia way. Okay, so uh, enjoy yourself. Enjoy your family. We will be back after the game on Saturday after Georgia more than likely beats the fire out of Georgia Tech, and uh, and then we'll be talking SEC championship game from there on out. And we can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. But for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, I'm Jake Rowe. With dogs 24-7, they're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell from the same place. Take it easy.